And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hold That Podcast podcast. I am Chris Branch, your host, along with Brody Miller, my co-host. We are both of The Athletic. And Brody, we have some breaking news that happened right before we started recording. Can you fill me in? Yeah, yeah, we didn't see that coming that much. Uh, Corey Kiner, the rising sophomore running back, former four-star recruit, and you know, guy who got major playing time last year as a true freshman, has ent- he's announced himself he is entering the transfer portal. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of like a timing, like huh, element with this. You know, he spring game is in six days, uh, and he just was missing from Saturday's practice with what Brian Kelly specifically told us was a high ankle sprain that will likely hold him out for two to three weeks, and then you know the next day or two he's in the portal. But and we'll dive into the what, why, all that in a second. But yeah, Corey Kiner is uh is. In the portal, I think it's safe to assume, you know, you should watch for Cincinnati, which is where he's from and where he was between LSU and Cincinnati when going to college in the first place. Watch for that. And, uh, you know, but I still, and again, we'll get into this more in a second, but I still think a lot of this has to do with LSU's running back room still looking really, really stable. First off, John Emery looks like he's clearly the guy, but even behind that, they're four deep behind him without Kiner. So I don't think it's necessarily some some huge loss. Even though he's yeah, a really I, good player. You know what I mean? Both can be true. It's, you know, we we hammer this a lot, but it is a, a new facet of the transfer portal that when you lose a guy like this, it's like, oh my God, what went wrong? And it's like, probably nothing. Like, on either side. <laughs> you know, I, I assume that Corey saw his touches not being there, maybe where he wanted to be, did, did not see the opportunity that he wanted to see for whatever reason. Um and like you said, LSU has four deep. Noah Kane still isn't even here. Uh, John Emery is seems like the guy. Armani Goodwin is here. Josh Williams was a very solid addition to the room last year at the, when he yeah. came in. So this doesn't stress Did you me say out Trey much. Bradford? Trey Bradford transferred yeah, Trey back. Trey Bradford, I, mean, I think, actually gets the most reps of any of those young guys right now. Like, I think Trey Bradford's looked really impressive all spring. And he he seems to always be the next guy up if it's not Emory. So, like, yeah, they're they're pretty deep there. Continue though. And this this is just what happens when you have good depth. And for you know, I I feel like LSU fans have this raw nerve right now about Emory because we have we have wanted him. You know, for all the issues that Emory has had getting on the field. Um, and it's like we don't believe that he's actually going to play and be the John Emery that uh, we thought he was going to be. And and clearly, there's a lot of people who still think that way. Uh, and so we're worried about Corey Kiner leaving, which is fair. Uh, <laughs> it's fair. In reference but to the, the Emery part, that's fair. Yes. But at the same time, you know, I was thinking about this with the quarterbacks, and it's like I feel like we should really like throw out all the expectations and all the game tape we have in our minds of most of the players on the roster 
because they they all started over with a brand new coaching staff, an entire brand new support staff, everybody. And it's like, we're holding on to like the, you know, 50 to 100 carries that Corey Kiner got last year as like being super valuable. And I mean, this goes both ways, good and bad. You know, um, Brian Kelly talked a lot about how John Emery, like, you know, has impressed him in every way. And whatever issues John had before don't seem to be there, at least per Kelly. And I don't know. It's just it's just like we are holding on to the last two years and the good parts of the last two years that maybe we need to shed going into this season. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a cause for worry. I just when I saw the headline, I said, huh. Well, I, good luck to him, but I, I feel good about where LSU is. Am I correct to think that way? Yeah, I mean, there's so many areas on this roster we that are just genuinely problem-level thin, and if anyone else transferred, we'd be like, oh, shoot. But running back just literally isn't one of them. You know, I mean, he's there's a lot of tr- – again, this is all so freshly new that there's not – like if there is some smoking gun reason he's leaving, we haven't found it out yet. But, I mean – him leaving, I think it's pretty safe to to say, is connected to the fact that he saw the writing on the wall that he was probably going to be third or fourth in the pecking order. Like, I think people need, like, even if you are worried about the Emory thing, which, again, like, yeah, like, that's a whole different thing. Even if you are, he, I think Trey Bradford would have been next up out of the guys in the spring. He was next up with the first team on Saturday. And uh, I think Noah Kane's going to come in and immediately be, you know, at least, you know, a nice power back rotation guy. Like, I just think people are, people fall, it's the upside thing we always talk about, right? People just fall in love with the guy you saw do stuff as a freshman. And by the way, I don't, this is not me putting down Corey Kiner. Corey Kiner is a stud and wherever he ends up, I think he's going to do really, really well. But it's just not a, I think he was probably a little lower in the pecking order and you know, and it's not, these things also aren't, don't exist in a vacuum, right? It's not like kind of just saw the situation of, hey, I'm going to be fourth, like, or whatever, I'm, I'm speculating, but, and like, I got to go. It's probably also an element of like, hey, you know, Cincinnati, where I almost went to school. And again, I'm, this is early, hasn't gone to Cincinnati, but I think it's very possible. Maybe he's like, hey, I could probably go be a starter at Cincinnati right now on a, on a near, on a playoff team and be the guy in my hometown versus, you know, like, I'm not unhappy at LSU, but I'm like, you know, third or fourth, you know, like, that's not crazy. Like, there's nothing that insane about that. So I think there's a little bit of that to it. And the timing part, you know, I think there's probably, I assume nobody's lying about a high ankle sprain. That would be a bizarrely specific lie, which tip of the cap. Uh, (laughs) Who doesn't love a good lie? But yeah, yeah, like, I assume there's probably some element of, all right, you know, Ankle gets hurt. Spring game's in a few days. Like, yeah, it's weird to transfer for the spring game, but uh, like, hey, spring game would have been your chance to really make a statement, but now you know you're missing that spring game anyway, and it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. you can't really change your stock and things in these next few weeks, so might as well just go. I, I mean, that doesn't seem that crazy to me, but... Uh, this all tracks. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. this all tracks to me, so uh, whatever the issue is, uh, wish him well in maybe, probably Cincinnati, wherever else he ends up, but... um. I, I, I like clarity. I, I, I like clarity a lot. So if there's more clarity to the LSU running back rotation, uh, feed it to me. You know, it, it's interesting. You, you bring up Trey Bradford, and this kind of circles back to something we talked about last week when we were trying to parse through, like, would Jaden Daniels transfer again? Would Miles transfer, et cetera, et cetera, and the, the two-transfer rule? I mean, we forget yeah. that Trey Bradford went from LSU to Oklahoma to LSU again and has not sat out a game 
well, he wasn't eligible for a while. Granted, that was so specific. It was like a mid-season I don't think, but, but that wasn't a, that wasn't a, like a, a was that mid-season transfer he wasn't eligible last year? I believe it was like the week of the opener or second. It was literally like as the season's rolling transfer. But either way, to your point, like he was eventually, I believe, like so clearly he was allowed to at least transfer and be eligible. It was probably more specific to like the midterm thing. Sure. Right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's a side conversation, but it just popped up. Well, actually, I do really want to quickly add, like, I think there's just there's such an old news versus upside thing that goes on with these conversations and like you know i just want to repeat like kiner's the freshman who looked impressive and again kiner is a dude but like and like bradford's now this junior who like has even been really around and you haven't really seen him and now he just feels like old news when it's like my read just being around spring and i'm not putting too much stock in this is like I think Bradford looked really good and is probably the number two as of now. Kane might jump him. But like, or like Armani Goodwin was like the guy everyone loved more than Kiner the first few weeks of last year, remember? And then eventually right. like Goodwin was banged up and I think might have had some other things and like, you know, and then he disappeared and all of a sudden Kiner's your guy. And it's like, Goodwin's a freak who broke a 60 yard touchdown Saturday scrimmage where you're, you know, like it was, it was the real deal. It wasn't like a, you know, a fake scrimmage touchdown. It was like a, Oh, he burst through a hole, and then nobody in the secondary could catch him, even on like an equal line. Like he just beat them, and it was just like, oh crap, that guy's a stud if he gets the chance. So, like Bradford and Goodwin are really good. Kane is an experienced Big Ten starter. Just things are good. Sorry, I keep repeating myself. No, I mean it, this. This all makes sense to me. I'm I'm not worried. Um, I'll miss his spin move. He he had a couple great spin moves in games this year that uh, made us go, ooh, ah. And, uh, you know, I hope he's been moved somewhere to a bunch of yards somewhere else. Wish him the best of luck. No hard feelings. This is this is adult stuff and everybody's fine, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, let's move on. So um, you went to practice Saturday. Yeah. And the big takeaway, as you wrote on The Athletic, everybody should go read the story, is that the Garrett Nussmeyer noise is not going away. This is a three-man race. Yes. Uh, and, and I shouldn't even just say it's Saturday. You know, I think Saturday was almost like the, okay, it's time to actually write this, right? And you and I talked about this quite a bit last week. So it's not like this is brand new, but right. it, it just felt like confirmation that what I've been hearing the last three weeks, what I've been hearing throughout the spring, what we've been seeing throughout the spring is just like, we have all framed this as a two man race, understandably, by the way. No one's like wrong, but just nuts. And every time though, I'd come in here and I'd be like, man, you know what's crazy? Like, Nussmeyer was like, his good moments look the best of anyone, right? But like, you know, I was like, okay, but not too big a deal, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh man, you look really good again. And then you, I, as I said, last week's pod, like you start talking to some coaches and it's just like, oh, they're saying Nussmeyer might be like, might've been the steadiest or like the most overall impressive this spring. That's interesting. But hey, you don't overthink it. And then Saturday, yeah, just he looked really good. And actually, I should say, all three quarterbacks looked really good Saturday. None of them looked bad. Mm-hmm. Brennan had a fantastic, like, 50-yard touchdown. Dre Jenkins, he keeps hitting those. Uh, Jane Daniels looked sharp. few good runs. Uh, ended the scrimmage with a nice little, like, well-touched post route to Kyron Lacey that Lacey made a hell of a play and made took for a touchdown. You know, like, everyone looked good, but Nussmeyer just had three plays that came to mind that were just like, wow. One of them, like, he was rolling to his right, really outrunning a guy to his right, Stem planting on his right foot on the run and just throwing this like absurd it's hard to explain without seeing it but like just imagine like a perfectly like uh the bullet in one in wanted like 
slice Patrick Mahomesy ball where it's like it almost like has just enough fade and slice to it to like go around the corner where only Malik Neighbors can catch it 15 yards down on the sideline. Does that make? Am I visualizing this okay? And yeah, like, no. It was just I like mean, it perfectly placed. Just where only neighbors can catch it. By the way, neighbors mean unbelievable, like five yards over the marker, like tippy toe catch. You know, when those ones you like catch it as you're falling. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and that he had another one where there's all this pressure and he has to like backpedal three steps and plants his back foot and just like puts a 20 yard to the opposite left sideline to Kyron Lacey. Uh, there was a third and long where there's a bunch of pressure on him and he just stood in the pocket, safe pocket, hits a touchdown to, um, oh man, was it? I want to say it was Jenkins. Man, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Either way, he looked really good. He just makes some throws where you're really impressed. Then you ask Kelly and Brian Kelly, you know, uh, and he was just – he gave a, 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 a rational answer where it wasn't too extreme, but he was like, yeah, the big thing with him is with technical things because from a talent perspective, he's going to make more fit enough phone book, phone book throws than anybody, better than anybody, and you, he's been really pleased with – how he's developing with those technical aspects. Because so much of this is just the the buzzword I got from some staffers was like playing within himself, right? We Mm. all probably overreacted to the gunslinger thing, but it was still real. But it's like we also then, when you hear gunslinger, kind of make you think like not sharp and smart. Right. When Nussmeyer's unbelievably smart. I mean, he's really sharp. Like, I mean, I remember writing that feature on him about like a year and a half ago before he came here, and it was just like, this guy is a grown-up. He is planned out. He's thoughtful. He used to write, like, weekly blogs for SI.com to, like, about, mm-hmm. like, his experiences. Son of a great quarterback coach. Like, guy's sharp. I just think he was trying to be Johnny Manziel, trying to do too much because he's capable of that stuff. And so I think it was just playing within himself, learning how to, you know, people. He, he, Nussmeyer kept using the term game manager. That has, like, a very screwed-up connotation that I, I try to avoid at all times now. Yeah. But, like, I get where he's coming from. It's just, like, let – do what the offense is telling you and those other plays will come like we saw him in the scrimmage. So that is my long-winded way of saying I don't think he's – I'm not even predicting he's going to win the job. I mean, I don't even know if he's second. But I think he is really more in this than people realize. And multiple staffers have been like, yeah, no, he is He is, is a three-man race at least. And I think he's, it's just worth watching because I think he's a really special talent. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. A couple things on that. I, I think this really fits into my growing narrative that we should scrap all expectations from last year because, like you said, Nussmeyer was the dude who, uh, if he's ever in a pinch, just uncorked the ball good or bad. Yeah. Sometimes spectacular throws, sometimes not. And like, so we do have this mindset of like, Oh, he's, he's got the big, big arm makes the beautiful throws, but like a dude's going to throw so many interceptions. And like, it sounds like he's got some growth going on. And you know, that leads me to my second uh, thing I want to talk to you about. And you mentioned it briefly in your story. And it's, it's about how Brian Kelly talks about these players and press conferences. And it's, it's Ooh. very new to all of us down here. But it is interesting that there is – I could be totally wrong on this because I don't know the man and I don't know what's actually happening behind the scenes like that. Um, you know a little more than me, but it's like – it seems like he's very honest in you know, criticism yes. and praise. Um, yes. does, does not seem afraid to say like he's really good. And it, it doesn't – it doesn't seem like a lot of coaches that really paper over things or – just just seems like they're 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 putting on their face for the media and doing that and i'm not saying that was people here but it's just like it is coach speak across the country and it doesn't seem like brian kelly is doing that am i am i on the track there yeah no i i think you are i i mean like everything he does feels very intentional and i could be wrong because you also see him in some of these like national pieces kind of just like saying stream of consciousness everything on his mind so maybe it's somewhere in the middle but yeah like he is going to give you he is going to be careful like he is not going to he has not done anything to tip his hand where he doesn't want to about like pecking order or like like we haven't even gotten a hint from kelly not even so much as an an inkling on the quarterback competition about where anyone stands. He is savvily avoiding it. Uh, So many other positions, same exact thing. Running back. I even tried to like trick him into specifically asking about the younger running backs yesterday. And he's just like, and he still just like masterfully avoided it. So I think he's very good at never tipping his hand. And also he's very good. And I think soccer managers are the best of this in anyone of like using a press conference because you know, the player's going to hear it, you know? And like, yeah, so like, saying something where a few weeks earlier you'll be like seems like he's criticizing him but he's actually giving a call out to that guy to step up i think he's very mm-hmm. good at that part of it the the Butte example i think ranks highly but so with anyway that's our long way of saying with nussmeyer i don't think he's been afraid to tell you at earlier times he's raw you know he's not there right so for him to and again he didn't say anything special there but for him to kind of be like yeah man he's really progressing exactly how you want him he, Brian Kelly does not feel like he needs to lie about that. He doesn't need he to your exact point. He does not feel like he needs to say the thing to make the quarterback happy and make him feel good. Like he doesn't. He's saying yeah. what he thinks. So I, I do think you're onto something there. And I don't think we should take those comments as nothing. I mean, the Will Campbell example is relevant too, right? Because the first week of camp, he's like, "This guy's a stud," but like, do I think he's ready to start? God no. And then two weeks later, he's like, "Hey guys." 
This guy's starting uh, left tackle. I could have been wrong on that. <laughs> Yeah, and like you know, I think that's a good example. So yeah, I, I think you're on. I don't. I don't sense the 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 BS. Like uh, we're setting out a narrative here. Like I, it. Like like you said, it seems very strategized and very pointed. But at the same time, I don't feel like he's lying to me. So we'll see. It's it, it's an interesting way for for a coach to be, um, and I I appreciate it for one. Yeah, um, no, I mean it's great for me <laughs> for the yeah, most part, it's right? Great for to, you. to our point, yeah, you, you there's some things that are some things are so much harder to get information out of him than they were Ogeron, and other things it's like yeah, he's going to tell you the ins and outs specifics of this injury. But actually, Ogeron was good about injuries, but still, <laughs> like Kelly yeah. would be like, yeah, it's a high ankle sprain, two to three weeks. Like, there's just an element of like, I think it's actually something you see in general with like experienced coaches versus guys on the come up of like he's just old enough to realize like experienced enough to realize like me giving you this slight info about a spring injury is not damaging like is not information that is ruining our program or like me giving you access to this practice is not going to give away hints about what we're doing like it's just more i think security is the right word right like yeah there right. is less insecurity about like it's just like yeah man like this is the truth and i think there's a little bit of pulmonary too with how he handles things of like for example, he's giving us players and interviews that are going to get at – like he's giving us Jaden Daniels, right, or Nussmeier, mm-hmm. or like guys who are getting tough questions. And I think there's a little bit of a pulmonary mentality there of like, oh, you're playing at LSU. Like you're on the biggest stage. You should be able to answer – you should be able to handle yourself in this interview and be accountable. Like I think that's a thing that I've also appreciated. I'm all for it. High marks. No notes. Um, in, in, no notes. Yeah. Any other uh, impressions from from practice that, uh, that that we need to know? Um. Good question. Um. I think there's a little bit of yeah. I think the D line is just going to be really good. Yeah. I, mm. It's. I don't even think it's the O line being bad. Although sometimes, like, there are some times where you'll be like, oh, Xavier Carter, two straight sacks, man. Which, by the way, I think Carter's having a good spring. It's not a diss. But then you'll be like, ah, both run chemo, like. All right, I don't know if Kimo's ever really going to be getting real time when he's like, you know, when it's the second or third Kimo line. But, uh, yeah. wow, that was – I don't know if I had to throw that one. But uh, that's stray. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that jumps out. I think the receivers are fascinating because they look so good at times, but also they're the ones that you notice coaches being the hardest on, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. And Kelly gave us a fascinating answer when he was asked about that. And, again, really honest, he was like, He's like, there's no question of the talent with those guys. And and it was really insightful. He's like, a lot of times you'll see them at the beginning of practice looking like the best player on earth. It's as the practice gets tougher and longer. It's like, you know, are they going to get a little tired or so bad habits going to happen? I think that's what they're working on with those guys uh, of like the word he used was developing grit there. I think that's Mm. a really interesting thing because Mm -hmm. he's not wrong. Like, I think that's been an issue with running back and receiver for a few years now at LSU. Like, 19's the outlier, but 19's an outlier in every sense of this program, right? Like, right. But, like, most years before that, 17, 18, I got that same exact vibe of, like, you know, D. Anderson or, like, all these guys. Like, man, that guy's a stud, but, like, is he a consistent football player? So I think that's something to really watch, that they are actually like, conscious of that and really working on that because I think that's something to follow. Um, another one that's just, again, this isn't, like, a team observation, but these are just interesting things I think we should follow. We noticed a lot of, like, missed tackles, uh, like, in the secondary, hmm. stuff like that. But, like, it, and hear me out here. Like, it would be, okay, Lacey catches a ball or Jenkins catches a ball across the middle. And then, like, the safety just kind of, like, lightly tries to tackle him. But he's 
and then he, he breaks both and gets a touchdown. And we asked Kelly about that, and I think his answer kind of nailed it and was also helpful for us. He's like, I believe his term was, it's about brotherhood versus like getting the you know, tackle. And he's like, I lean a little bit more toward the brotherhood part. What he means by that is like, take care of your teammates. Don't be like a dick. You know, don't, you don't need to like lay this guy out. And he said, he's like, it was really, I thought it was helpful. It was like, you know, we are currently, those guys are caught in a tough situation right now. And we are trying to find the right balance in these practices of like, yeah, we need those guys to be tackling. Right. But we also do not want like a safety flying out there and trying to level, a, un, you know, uh, undefended receiver. So right. I, I just think that's something worth following. Cause I think we, I saw three different plays where basically some version of that happened. And it's just like, huh, that is interesting. Cause you don't want them guys got hurt so much last year with stuff like that. I think that's worth following uh, because at the same time, you'll see like those are the back end plays where you try not to like, you know, get a targeting penalty for lack of a better word. Sure. But like in the box, I mean, I'm seeing Greg Brooks make like impressive tackles at the line. Mike Jones blew up a guy. Greg Penn's been incredible in the box. Like you are seeing great grown man tackles. So I, I just anyway, those are just some observations I've had. Uh, and then my question mark just remains the corner situation. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Or like, you know, just it seems like the corner is is going to be a question mark until we start the season, like for yeah. injury purposes, for familiarity purposes. It's all all new, <laughs> so uh, I'm curious to see uh, how those guys progress. Um, I, I want to circle back to wide receiver quickly and talk about a couple guys. It seems like uh, Kyron Lacy has been impressing more than maybe we thought he ha- he would. You know, I think hmm. when he when he transferred in, it was like. This guy's good. He's going to be a good depth guy, you know, a good third, fourth wide receiver in in a pattern. But I've noticed from you and from multiple other media members, like calling out really nice plays that he has made in practice. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little more? Yeah, I think you were both right and your original intuition was right. You know what I mean? Where um, Mm. I think he looked really good Saturday. He had a great day Saturday. He made at least two really impressive plays that were like, also him showing stuff after the catch and looking good in the route, all that stuff. Um, I still think it's probably a bit more of a depth thing, which isn't a dig. It's just like I just think LSU's receiver room, even though it's it's this weird combination of thin and deep where they are six or seven really, like dudes, guys who could start, like really could, but they literally only have six or seven guys. So that's like the yeah. weird zone they're in where like, man, if two guys get hurt, you're like, shoot, what do you do? But uh, can we go I five s- wide? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're on two tight end now with Ashford <laughs> and Taylor. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like they're loaded at the top. So it's tricky. Like Butte's back, you assume. And if, if we're su- just taking for granted that Butte's the guy. All right. That's mm-hmm. one key starter. Um, I think it's, again, the old news thing factors in. But Trey Jenkins is clearly just a really good re- receiver. And I just think we all yada yada him too much. Like he's it, probably. It's true. We do. Like yeah. I don't think of him when. Like, I, I wanted to go through and say, you know, it's Butte when it comes back. It's Jack Besh. I, I consider him a wide receiver. Um, and I, it seems like Malik Neighbors is having a great spring and seems like a future number one guy. Am I off there? Wait, who is that? Malik Neighbors. Yo, absolutely. Yeah. Continue. It seems, it seems like he's making these grown man big catches that uh, he, he flashed a little bit last year, but... I don't know. It, it seems like from what I'm reading and seeing from practice that he's really coming into his own. And then, you know, you get three deep and you're like, wait, wait, Jerry Jenkins was awesome last year. 
and he's for two years now he was 2020 he was like their by far best guy yeah yeah and and like it and like he just i assume he's continuing to get better and continuing to develop so we really do yada yada him as like i think of him more as a depth piece when i should not think that way (laughs) yeah i think you're right and so then you keep going down it's like okay as much as i in my head i'm like yeah neighbors and besh make them the other two stars it's like I don't know. At some point, I think Jenkins deserves that spot. And also, we've said this a million times. Starting at receiver might be semantics. They're all dudes. Right. But it's like Brian Thomas is a stud. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think Neighbors falls in the category of, yeah, I think Neighbors is right now the best of those young guys. But he's also the one I I feel like I catch them being the hardest on. Like, you know, with like effort stuff or like, you know, being on top of like the playbook, things like that. So it's like, you know, a little bit tricky there. Uh, But he... If I had to be like right now, who are the three best? I don't know. I mean, as much as we – again, we fall in love with upside. It's probably Butte, Jenkins, and Neighbors. But then Jack Besh is, was one of the better possession guys in college football last year as a true he freshman. Was. He's, he's awesome. obviously going to play a ton. I've heard that he's much happier being as like just with the receivers instead of having to kind of toe that line between tight end and receiver. Um, right. So he's obviously going to get a ton of snaps. And then, again, we just said Brian Thomas. Brian Thomas, I think, gets first. Brian Thomas, with obviously Butte's out, he's been getting first team reps this whole time too. Like Brian Thomas is a dude. So I say all that to answer your actual question. Yeah, I think Lacey's looks really good. I just think it's realistic to also say he's sixth. You know, or or shoot, Chris Hilton is really good. So, like, he is a depth piece. That is not inaccurate. And he's a really good player. I think he's a good character guy. Shoot, I was just at UL last week for a, you know, we do our state of the program and I'm writing Louisiana's in a month or so. And asked about some of the guys that came over and they were like, yeah, like, he's a great character guy. Like, I just wondered about him going there where he might not be a starter. Um, So... Yeah, I think Iron Lace looked really good Saturday. Really, like I think they like him in the locker room. Even though he's young, I think he adds like a leadership element. I've heard, so it was a good addition. I think, and also I, they need depth there. I like I like having good football players on the team, Brody. That that pleases me as a fan. Huh. So this yeah, is all to take. Yeah, it's I, I know it, some will cancel me, but I I enjoy having <laughs> too many good players for too few starting spots. That that's health. That's healthy. Yes. Yes. Um, anything else from practice before we move on to our uh, famed last five minutes club? I think those are good ones. Yeah, I think that works. Okay, Brody. Everybody's favorite segment is here. The last five <laughs> minutes club. We've had wonderful listener participation. Thank you, everyone who wrote in, who asked questions. Um, a couple things I wanted to share from last week. One, uh, a lot of people had coach takes. A lot of them. A lot of honey badger for coach. Um one uh, listener, the uh, Red River of Baseball from from Shreveport, suggested Jacob Hester for head coach. Okay, which honestly, tracks to too well. Well, here's the thing: we narrow down our thing to the years that I've been here, like eighteen to now. Yeah, we yeah, narrowed yeah, it down that way. So then, like all the recommendations I got were like great picks for others, like Kevin Mawai. Obviously, he's already a really respected O line coach. Like. You know, like some of these guys are, I'm like, yeah, I would have said that too, but we were narrowing it down. All right. So I just had to frustrated. I am mad. I'm just kidding. But I had to defend myself there. Not defend. No one's coming at me, but like, yeah, I also think Mawai, Hester would be good. Um, I'm debating if I just like throw random shade at Hester, but there's no need. I love Hester. So yeah. Uh, He and T-Bob throw shade at us all the time, but it's, it's. it's, I know I was on this morning and he, they let off by saying, uh, don't ever listen to our show. And I, and I, my my thought process. 
I feel like I, I catch mean, so many strays over there. They're doing the diss thing where they're actually hyping up our show, but like I know, you know. I love it. <laughs> but, it, it <laughs> no, I, what me. I wanted, I know, and uh, my thought every time is like, that's great because I don't think of you. You know, like <laughs> your With show an causes me elevator meme. I don't, I don't think about you. <laughs> your show. Oh yeah, that's a great call. <laughs> like your show registers not on my radar. I don't. That's so great. It's like the college rivalry, like where it's like, man, we want to kill them, and I'm like. Oh, forgot you're in our conference. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I hope they hear this. I hope they listen this I do far. too. This is, this is the first shit talk we've done back, and I think it's the best shit talk anyone's done. It's just it, one of my favorite, you know, as um, our, most of our listeners know, both of us live in New Orleans, but um, <laughs> T-Bob's show is in Baton Rouge Radio, <laughs> and so it never fails every time that he'll be like, Chris Branch, he sucks. And Brody, I guess they're fine. Actually, go listen to their podcast, which is great. We love you, T-Bob. But <laughs> I'll get like five texts from Baton Rouge people being like, uh, T-Bob just like shit talk to you live on air. And I was like, again? Great. I have to go there, listen to this on YouTube. There now. is also a chunk of people who think it's kind of real. Uh, yeah. That's, no. <laughs> that's my favorite part. And I'm like, I don't want to do the thing where I'm over explaining like, oh, no, dude, like it's cool. It's just a bit. But it's like also like I don't want to be like. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's really getting tough around these streets, you know. Like, I'm yeah. trying to find a line there, uh, but we, we were joking. We need to all get together and like act like we're, you know, the um, the Mont- well, uh, the Montagues and the Capulets. Uh, nice, fences. you got it. Uh, hey, man, hey, your your faux wedding was at Capulet. This is, so I guess, that's right. Capulets. Um, that's right. We love, uh, we love to hear it. Um, but we were joking on air about like, what are we? Should we like build the animosity more? before we do a crossover episode like really get some yeah. west coast east coast rivalry stuff going and then when there's like a big we enough should. moment we do do the crossover episode absolutely but, and like the next yeah. time that they film a live show here i should just like go down and like stand outside where they're filming and just like watch them <laughs> but that kills our bit of not caring you know so it's a fine line there that's true that's true our yeah. power is not caring mm-hmm. so if we showed up we are giving them the power all right, we, we've wasted too much time on them, to your point. That is not wasting. This was fantastic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's let's move on to uh, our topic today, which I am molding from an email from a uh, devoted listener, Catherine Briley. Shout out to Catherine. Uh, she had an interesting one about pitching an LSU show. And I, I kind of thought that we could take this a couple ways. Either I have a pitch for an LSU movie that that kind of feeds into a take about how we feel, how LSU fans feel right now. Okay. But also, I think it would be fun, and you're good at this, to like, since you have been here, and I'm, I'm hemming you in once again, but 
since you have been here, what like what legacy TV show or movie does LSU fit the parameters more? And my rule is going to be: you cannot pick a Louisiana-centric show like True Detective or something oh, yeah. like that. Okay, so wait, I'm, I'm, so you're saying like what like classic TV show? I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, is LSU? So I'm going to let you percolate on this when I give you my pitch. And by the way, I'm but, not going to narrow it down to my years. I think it's fair to because like you know, I know, I know. I'm just call. saying that like in your experience here so far is what I what I want you to base this on because yes. you you have been through a good bit. But I'm saying, like, is is the saga of LSU's football program more like The Sopranos? Is it like Breaking Bad? Something Ooh. like that, you know? And then think of some good touch points. Okay. Okay. You, you so, really are so, throwing this one at me. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I love gonna, it. I you know, if um, if, if any if this. any of our listeners uh, know the the whole bit with Stefan on SNL, that I guess they're still doing sometimes. But this is how I envision this with me and Brody, where. He is Bill Hader, and I am John Mulaney, who just like changes ah, the that's perfect. right before. Yeah. Because I, I, I like the au naturel, uh, the organic way of listening to this. Okay, you ready for my pitch? Yes. LSU's program right now, we have this, this vibe around Brian Kelly that he is not one of us. You know, that I, I think there's still a little like unease because he. You know, the whole thing with his accent and the whole thing with the dancing. And it's like, he's this weird stepdad that we don't know if he's going to be good for us yet. Like, our mom, you know, Ed Ogeron was like, football program dad. He he sounded yeah. like us. He, he made all the local references. And then he led us to a national championship. And there's this like, man, it was everybody was whole. The family was together for the Christmas photo. He got us great gifts. And then he and mom fell out. And now he's, he's, he's not here anymore. And he, it's not like he's even remarried. He's going around hanging out with our new stepdad's ex-wife at Notre Dame. It's a very weird uh, situation. And then we have this new guy here. I still haven't here. figured out where this is going. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm pitching this like very intense uh, emotional movie where... Uh, yeah, like family trauma happens, and then and then <laughs> Brian Kelly comes in, and and this is a feeling out process. Now this could go away, like you know those movies. I don't even remember the title of them, but like Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg were like ex husband and new stepdad. Yeah. Um, oh my god, what is that called? Like a decently fun movie, but how? Yeah, they made sequels. Yeah. Or like in Ant Man when uh, Bo- yes. Bobby Cannavale is the new stepdad. And like Daddy's Home is the movie, by the way. Daddy's Home. It, that's a very uh, genre of movie that I just like. Kind of lose track of all the actual entries. It's just like yes. that that Judd Apatow adjacent universe. Um, yeah. But like you know, we're still getting to know Brian Kelly, and you know he is very successful in his other jobs and his other life, and like. Mom really feels like she stepped up here and she's she's marrying a solid bona fide guy who's not going to be dramatic. He is not going to like, you know, he might be a little less fun. You know, uh old LSU dads, Les Miles, Coach O, were very fun personalities. They were And it was on his Mark Wahlberg in the scenario. Yeah, there's no dying it. But like mom married the more boring guy, but maybe the more stable. He's going to give her a stable life. 
Yeah, he's, she's she's never worrying if rent's gonna get paid. You know, she, she's not. She's never she's never worrying about any harm. You know, she's like, this guy is gonna take care of me. His taxes are gonna be done. Yeah, I agree. And and we're the kids at home who are like, oh, dad's boring, or like, oh, geez, I don't know, man. He's not. He's how did he say the word family? Oh, barf. And then like, oh, she's gonna win ten games this year, and we're gonna be like, you know what, dad? You're not so bad. And then he's going to be like, did you just call me dad? And I'd be like, yeah. And then the movie's going to end and then everybody's going to be happy. That's how I feel like we feel about Brian Kelly right now, or at least a a lot of fans do, where they're like, this, this outsider, I know they say he did good at Notre Dame, but like, I'm still waiting and seeing. And so like, there's just like this hesitation around him that I think we should shed, but I'm maybe too much of an optimist here. That's my movie pitch. Um, I, I would it. love to hear titles from everybody about our my stepdad. Um, I guess you could call it a drama. It could be a comedy at points, but LSU feels too dramatic in essence. Yes. So, okay. So I have a few places that I want to go with this. Because um, it's like, okay, if you want to just go off like the last few years – my first thought is like a Veep-like show. Just the buffoonery <laughs> of the last few years of LSU Athletic. It's Veep. And then there's like yeah, the other part of me yeah. that's like, oh, I had another one on top of my... Oh, and then, you know, if you want to go on just everything falling apart the last few years, The Leftovers, you know? Oh, Everyone just disappeared. Dark, and you're trying to build, you know, trying to grieve and build the pieces. But, and then also there's the obvious, like, I think... If you want to, I think there's actually, and I want our my last few minutes to be talking about something else in a second involved with this, but I think there's also like the last 20 plus years of LSU are a fascinating document in itself. So there's a little Game of Thronesiness there just mm. in terms of like rise and fall of families, you know, and like these last, the three coaches, the last well, four, the last 20 something years, different sports, different houses rising and falling, different people having power, uh, changing of the guard you know i I think there's a little thrones there but what i wanted to end with is obviously winning time is the biggest show or one of the biggest shows on tv right now chronicling the lakers and the funny thing is lsu is the closest thing i think is by far the only college program that comes to mind right now you could do that with for so many reasons one except from what i understand the plan of the lakers series to some extent is going to be like chronicling different eras right so you could do like mm. this season is obviously the start the first year magic jerry bus takes over you know how pat riley gets there all this stuff and then it seems like you know then they're probably gonna do one that's more like the prime of that team and the aids thing and uh and then I, it sounds like they even want to get to Shaq and kobe right like i think there's gonna yeah. be at least so lsu is the only one that fits that in some way of like it's actually really similar these last 20 something years of like Saban gets here and Skip becomes AD and like there is this like golden era but then and then less and then there's that there's that peak and that fall and then there's you know obviously then Ogeron like the and also from the character perspective no one has better characters in the NBA than the Showtime Lakers nobody's better characters in college football that I can think of than than LSU I agree with that so I think I think there's a lot you could do there there's a few things – I have a lot of thoughts on this. I spent my whole drive home for breakfast this morning thinking about this. It's like – it's tricky though, right? Because say we're using the same template as Winning Time, which is not – it's a great template. Like, okay, you can't make the show about Saban as the main character because that's a boring show. 
Saban has to be almost some version of like the Jack McKinney character. I'm not sure. Have you been watching any time? I haven't. I, I was going to oh, say God, that at the end. I'm sorry. Um, wow. Well, <laughs> anyway. just, no, I just learned a lot about you. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to judge me on that. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I like it's a big, big miss show, on my part, it. huh? It's yeah. just a good, I like it. Um, but you can like, call T.Y. up and talk to him. The main it. character of the show is Jerry Buss. And there's no perfect example of how you would do that with LSU. Again, like these things can't be one to one. And like Skip didn't hire Saban, right? Like he came like shortly after his AD. He was still, but like I could see a world where Skip's the main character in season one, where like he's the Jerry Buss esque, like legendary baseball coach that starts running the yeah. program as they start this golden era. I think he's obviously the lively character, funny, mm-hmm. goofy, but also like knows how to run shit. There's a little bit of bust there where he can be the main character. Saban's like, what's the plot, you know? And like, then you obviously have your other star players and they can make that story. I think there's a lot you can do there. And then obviously each season could be a different thing. You know, less, oh my God, the less seasons just write themselves. Like that's so easy. The real tricky thing is going to be when you get to the Ogeron seasons, how to not make that seem like a parody. That is really, really hard. It is. We saw it with the Rock Show. Like, yeah, it's hard to do Ogeron without it seeming like a bit. You actually have to downplay it. You mm-hmm. have to make him seem a little. Because first off, he is normal like, most of the time. Like, you have to make him seem more normal and grounded, and does some crazy stuff. I, so that's tricky. Like, you get um, you watch uh, oh man, uh, Mindhunter on uh, Netflix. You know that David Fincher. I, I, I have not watched it. You're killing me. I'm dude. striking out. Oh no! One of the Jeez. best shows of the last five years. Okay, never mind. I have an actor in mind, but I'll, the actor who's one of the main two characters in my hunter. Um. Anyway, I think that I'm very into an idea of a winning time for LSU football or just and LSU look, this, athletics. This honestly, yes, because like you could you could bring in all the other coaches too. I mean, um, exactly. Because winning time the, gets into like the front office people, like Claire Rothman, the one who made like. The woman who basically made, you know, Staples Center, I mean, the forum, like, the forum and, like, made it, like, mm-hmm. the coolest act in town. You know, there's so much you could do with LSU administration stuff, baseball, basketball, like, the Final Four run. There's so many pieces. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes there. No, I mean, and, and it could examine all of, you know, the the interesting monopoly that LSU has on the state of Louisiana uh, where there's not really a major competitor in this state that is so football talent rich. I mean, we all know that, but it it would be interesting to see that. And like, this really fits with the whole anthology uh, slant of the last decade, maybe, where it's like, oh, like we're we're bringing to the show back, but there's new characters and there's new storylines, and it's not just like the same people over and over again. So, I'm all for it. Uh, that is a winning pitch to me. So, here's what I'm going to ask people to do: uh, write us in, uh, give us some hypotheticals for next week if you'd like to hear it, but also. Give us your best title for this winning time series, and we're gonna. I'll make sure we can mock up some sort of uh, funny Photoshop with that in it. And Birdie, you and I can go around and pitch it to the networks. I mean, I think it's a huge winner. Absolutely, I was put on this earth to be, you know, a TV a showrunner, uh, executive producer. Yeah, showrunner. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Well, that was that All was right. a lovely. Uh, you know. I was thinking about this. I don't think our last five minutes, I, I think the great bit about our last five minutes club is that it's never five minutes. No. You got to give the people what they want. Well, I mean, like, thir- okay, you know what our example is? 
30 for 30. It was supposed to be 30 episodes for the 30-year anniversary of ESPN. And guess what? Now every documentary ever made at ESPN, even 15 years later, is still 30 for 30, even though, you know, we're a long way away. You know, last it's not about it's just it's just the title. Yeah. Soon enough, we're gonna just gonna spin off a last five minutes podcast that is an hour apiece, where we just talk <laughs> through these things. Uh, but yes. I should nobody steal that idea. Anyway, um, well, I think that's it for us. Uh, thank you guys for listening as always, and if you made it this far, uh, we love you. Uh, give us five stars wherever you listen, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>